0: Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your storyteller host, and we have a fantastic Valentine's show for you today. Remember why I call it Answers? It's because we boldly go where no man has gone before or woman, and we follow the path, we go beyond awareness, and we actually create some answers, usually really good ones. But that's for you to judge and me to just throw out there. Today we're focusing on Valentine's Day, and before I introduce my guest, I just sort of wanted to, it's almost a series because last show was the special sex show, and it was about dealing with sex when you have autism and sensory integration disorder and all of these things that come up for you. And I began the show with a story that was on deadbeat news, about um, a necrophiliac. And it was, you know, a very good story to begin with, because it kind of catches your attention. It was also good for another reason. It was just a metaphor. Now, here's the problem. When you're dealing with autism, very often metaphors go over your head. You don't realize it's a metaphor. And so here I am, doing an autism show. And I began it with a metaphor. And afterwards, and I kept referring back to it. And afterwards, I wondered if there were people out there listening to my show, not recognizing that that piece of it was a metaphor, was not true. Since we usually deal in truth, that could have slipped by somebody. And then I remembered when I was a kid, I had this uncle who was uh, married and One day he told me that he wanted me so badly. And, you know, we were in the Quonset hut and he tried to kiss me and I ran away and I was hiding in the woods and I thought, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to marry him. He wants me. Because I was literal, very, very literal. In fact, after when I got married, I had an awful lot of fights because I never understood when jokes were jokes and, when they were reality. Um, I remember one time specifically, pardon me for going blue for a second, but there was somebody who made a reference to their scrotum area and they called them tea bags and I literally didn't get it. I really thought they had tea bags and I was very concerned and I was talking to my husband at the time and honest to, to honest to God, this was um, very upsetting. So now that you've got that little bit of information about me. Each show I give you a little bit more. Um, You're going to wonder how I ever got healthy enough to run around and try and help people with their autism internationally, and it's because I use neurofeedback as if you've listened before, you are already aware. So that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the literalness of autism today and how that affects you if you're trying To have a relationship or a romance and here to help us kind of dig into that and and examine that a little bit is a fellow i was on a radio show with before his name is michael moon he's an international recording artist fantastic music by the way we're going to share a little bit of that for you with you in the break um, and Michael is uh, well actually I'm gonna let him tell you most of the things about you but I want you to be aware that his music is meant to be healing music and with that hello Michael hello hi so what do you mean by healing music
1: well first of all what an introduction I've ever had one quite like that before <laughs> and tea bags and
0: <laughs> we're gonna go everywhere in our show today <laughs> Valentine's so is coming <laughs>
1: So, so tell me, healing, what do
0: you mean by healing music?
1: Well, I'll try and make this short because it's a long story, but music in a way was my, you know, you talk about neurofeedback for you and healing for me. Music was what cracked open my autism and also was what helped me and still helps me to this day with my sensitivities, how people have, Created, you know, what would be called a snoozling room. I create music of that that does the same thing for me. I well, wait a minute. So you say
0: in- with your autism, uh, were you diagnosed with autism?
1: I was diagnosed autistic at three seven, and uh, again at thirty three because I assumed I didn't have it anymore.
0: <laughs> Everybody's like, "No, seriously, is he really autistic? Let's check again."
1: Well, no, it was me going seriously. Am I really autistic? I better check again. Uh, and uh, quite the journey but like you it's sort of looking back on it people go oh seriously you can't be autistic and i think that's one of the magic things that people like us and we're not the only ones there's people many out there that you know and i think it's something important for parents to realize that just because they've been their children's been diagnosed doesn't mean they're stuck in this thing forever and it's also very important to realize that no autistic person, just like no person is the same. So not everybody's going to come through it in the same way. But especially if when, I mean, I had a lot of luck, a lot of caring, a lot of healing in my life, a lot of amazing people that helped me out. I was put in the right programs at an early age. I, I was So i am
0: i, I got to tell you, Michael, you don't sound, I, I mean, I, Not that a person, I suppose, can sound autistic, but I can generally hear it. And so, and yet, you still got a third diagnosis in your 30s. That's very interesting to me that you have so much fluidity in your speech.
1: Well, I didn't always. It was music and singing in particular that that created that.
0: That's really Um, neat. That's really neat because I think a lot of the time... um, if you can get somebody even with a stutter or anything like that has a tonality problem, if you can get them singing, it can really change things in fact, with my son uh when he would be it would sound rude and abrupt, and I'd say, "Put music in your voice, you know, mm-hmm. put some lilt in there, and we'd just get his his sentences to have some kind of rhythm in music, so that's really interesting
1: my mom I, want, was, I remember her doing a similar thing i'd she'd be like, you know, I had this square, tiny voice that had no." movement in it and was very quiet because to me everything seemed so loud that to speak normally felt like i was screaming and i couldn't get it out of myself and i remember my mom sitting there like you know talk like you're talking to like those houses way over there and and then with the singing you know i had some amazing teachers who would uh, you know, they they trained me to to hear emotion by by getting me to listen to different singers that sang with emotion. I swear I could not hear the difference between any of them. It was either a man or a woman singing, that's all I could tell.
0: That's so interesting, okay, so if you learn to hear emotion, I gotta and it, this is supposed to be Valentine's show. I gotta ask you. Have you ever been in love? Yep, are you in love now? I am Wow, okay, so. Are you literal, and does that show up for you as a problem?
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you have any examples of that? Uh, Yes. Okay, share, Um, share, share. We want to hear, this is a story show. We want
1: your story. Well, a sad story maybe, but, um, you know, a a number of relationships I lost because of my literalness, you know. You know, as you get older and you, you realize that, you know, people are emotional and you don't know what emotion is. And so they'll express something like, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving. And to me, okay, they're leaving. So, <laughs> yeah, please.
0: exactly. Oh, okay, you're leaving, not not you say you're not leaving like, and I'm supposed to talk you out of it, right?
1: Exactly. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened in various ways or you know, things that people say when they're upset and you take it literally like, oh, I, I am this terrible person and I, I guess that I'm hurting you being here and I'd better leave. Uh, Interesting. Um, yeah.
0: Well, did you ever order. find that, that you were inappropriate? Like that you, um, that you, because you didn't understand how relationships worked, that you just behaved in a way that was completely out of line,
1: yeah, early when I was younger oh, I, I, I can't believe the stuff that you know I had no clue of how to read people and and body language and what was going on relationship wise so i I found you know people. It would be people that like me I didn't have I absolutely no clue. Uh, every relationship I got into would be with a super forward emotional person because those are the people that would go, "Are you going to kiss me or what <laughs> <laughs> literally like that would be like one of the you know uh, several times over would be the statement like cause I'm clueless, I'm just sitting there talking to somebody and completely clueless um and Okay, so you found you found your
0: solution in finding very blunt, very forward women, men, women, women. Okay, I don't, don't want to assume. So okay, I'm going to leave you with the question, and I'm going to do that little intro thing you do in the middle of talking to somebody. Um, I, I want you to think of a time when you were the one that was inappropriate. While I do the the reminder to everyone, so we're talking with Michael Moon. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your storyteller host, and I forgot to remind you to stick around all the way to the end of the show because we're going to have okay, 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 the great guest giveaway, and of course, the most wonderful, the most exciting part of the show is at the very end. It's
1: stories from the road.
0: <laughs> I love doing that. Okay, so we are back here with Michael Moon. This is our Valentine's show, and I put him on the spot. I gave him, I'm chatting to give him time to think of a story, and now I'm going to ask him, Michael,
1: do you have one? Me as a teenager, here I am. I'm at an event, uh, conference. This girl likes me. I... You know we do our thing things are kind of getting close but nothing's happening I'm confused I don't really know what's going on what I'm supposed to do or not then somebody else walks up to me kind of later on and gives me like just grabs me and kisses me I'm like oh okay I guess I should go there and <laughs> meanwhile first person is going what the hell are you doing <laughs> I'm like what do you mean what am I doing you know we were just <laughs> completely clueless. <laughs> this one kissed me. <laughs> was, I, literally, I can't believe it now. I was completely clueless. I mean, probably most teenagers are, but I I really had no concept of, of any of the moral idea of it all. It was just kind of, I'm just floating in a sea of, like, people with all their stuff and just kind of going along, kind of trying to figure it all out.
0: Um, Did you ever stalk anybody?
1: No. I
0: did. I, <laughs> I, well, I didn't really stalk, but I I didn't realize. I'm going to share this story with you. So I liked this guy, and I didn't realize that. And, and if you do the math, you'll realize I'm really old during this story, by the way. So I like this guy. And um, caller IDs have come, but I don't know about them because they're brand new, right? Nobody has caller ID that I know of. And so I really like him, but it's not worked out and we've kind of split up. And I'm going through this period, you know, that breakup period where you're not comfortable with it yet. So I keep phoning and listening to it ring and it rings and it rings and it rings. And I feel like, well, obviously nobody's home. And I'm comforted by listening to it ring, imagining it's ringing in his home. And I do this like a lot, like a lot for three, four days. Well, I'm lying. Okay, I did this a lot for three or four weeks. And and then I'm at my friend's house, and she shows me her new caller ID. And then I realized I had seen that exact instrument, not knowing what it was, at his place, and that he was probably home the entire time looking at the caller ID, not answering it and listening to it ring and ring and ring. And so that is my confession as a
1: stalker. Well, you know, it's amazing as we learn and we look back and how shocked we can be. I mean, one of the big things in my life that has, you know, these days I would say the, the autism to me isn't something to cure, it's something to integrate. And for me the integration has happened in my art and the music and it's been very healing for me and then it becomes healing for others and it's, it's a beautiful thing. But in my personal life with people that I'm closest to, it's where it gets me in trouble to this day. I might seem fine, but uh, my poor friends, like they don't get it. Like to me, chatting on the phone, being social is completely, it's work. I I might seem fine with it, but it's so I don't call my friends. I use my caller ID all the time, and I don't answer the phone unless it's work. I have to do it. And most people take that personally.
0: It's true. And the
1: people that are close to me realize that I interact in a practical way. If They want to be around me. They're going to be involved in my work, and or I'll see them uh, at certain events. And people often take me wrong because if I don't know them and they're all chatty with me, and I can tend to seem very aloof and disconnected. But I'm not. I mean, it's not personal. I should say. I mean, I just I can't. I think that's interesting. Michael, I never
0: had this thought before, but the way you just said that, maybe this uh, so-called epidemic of autism is just creating a lot of people with a very strong work ethic. What an interesting thought. <laughs>
1: well, I I love to be at home, working alone at, with my focused task. You know, when I'm working on the music and I've got like this very focused thing, I can... I can go for days. I have to, I put an alarm on to make sure I eat because I will forget about time and everything else. The phone rings, I get completely freaked out and I have to unplug it because it freaks me out. It shocks me out and the the sound is so loud and I feel like I'm being interrupted. And if I forget to unplug it and it rings, I'm ready to literally throw the thing out the window. I'm so angry that this thing is like broken me out of this space.
0: (laughs) So So tell me something. This being about romance and love, I was listening to some of your music and um, you write about that kind of a feeling and you sing about it and it's, you know, in the special sex show, I was talking to somebody and he said that the way that he got comfortable, his name is John Scott Holman, and he said the way he got comfortable with um, the sensory aspect of sex was he started to think of it as music. And that, you know, he started to find the rhythm in it and and wait for the crescendo. And I've kind of really taken to this imagery, and I'm thinking of it with you. How does your music, how does it fit with you trying to find the crescendo within a relationship and your love relationship that you're in now?
1: For me, I'd say almost the other way around. It's interesting because, from being somebody who refused touch as a child, mm-hmm. I, I could not be touched. I would not let my mother touch me from the time I was born. Uh, completely freaked out, screaming, crying, just—I couldn't handle it. Too, too sensitive or something. To now, if some, if I'm touched at the wrong moment, it still freaks me out. But if I am focused on the other person, if I am there with them, you know, I've just said how I can't stand being interrupted. I'm not into like just sort of social chit chat. When I'm there with my partner, it's the opposite. The only thing that exists is them. So all of a sudden, the same thing that can seem disconnected on one side, I can disconnect from everything else, and they become the universe. Mm-hmm. So, Lucky then. The sexuality and the sensuality and the, the connection. As long as they don't make me speak, you know, a lot of people go and they're making love. They want me to speak or say fantasy, or I can't do it. it. It totally takes me out, and I'm I'm not with them anymore, and I'm not with myself, and I'm confused. and I don't know what's going on. But if I'm. But just that's okay. So
0: that's your sexual the sexual yeah. aspect of your romance. What about um like in your you know, in your connection with the person that you're in love with? Do you find a music in your connection, just outside of the sexual arena?
1: It's interesting in that I... My nature is to look at the relationship very practically. Um, And I have to remind myself of the conventions and how people feel because uh, and you know I've often hurt people without realizing it through not acting in a way I'm supposed to in a relationship. But I've learned through forty years of how to do that. And I you know, the the song you mentioned you wanted to play, for instance, it it sounds like a love song to a person. I wrote that as actually a kind of love song it's the spirit, it's disconnected from a person, there is no person in my mind and yet it's also I'm also connecting it to the idea of it being personal and transpersonal and in a way I've kind of learned to make things personal more from a place that tends to be not so personal and and sort of more natural state of being the idea that i'm going to love one person that first was hard for me like not not that i wanted to be polygamous or anything but just simply it seems strange like all these love songs about you know you you mean everything to me blah blah i mean it made no sense to me Um, But
0: So, okay, I'm trying to understand, are you saying then that you're finding like a spiritual connection that you then transfer into this person? Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: And it becomes like this sacred thing that all of a sudden it becomes something that I'm Sort of surrendering to and I'm using also as my own learning because I know that from my past, I mean, every relationship I've been with, they, they it always ends with them going, you're the most beautiful person I've ever been with, but I can't be with you. Like, you're, you're too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I need more connection. I need more like that. Like, I, they know that I'm there, but they can't, they don't get the specific kind of connection that they're taught or they think they need
0: well and maybe we so, should put an advertisement out right now so for those of you who want to be loved like you're like you're a part of this spiritual connection to the universe with with somebody maybe you should find an autistic person to <laughs> fall in love with
1: <laughs> well, that's my serious way.
0: though actually you know kind of a it's a special way of loving
1: one interesting thing for relationship and love I find with autism, and I've helped people create autism groups and, and uh, you know, help create something called the uh, Autism Acceptance Project up here, uh, there's, um, you know, people want to bring autistic people together because you feel like, oh, well, they need to connect. An autistic person and an autistic person have a hard time connecting because both of them are happy in their own way. I know. And it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they'll sit around doing their own thing together, which is beautiful, but it's almost like for me in my life, what's helped crack me open is a series of wonderful, beautiful, very patient women who were completely, you know, if autism, autism is one end of the spectrum, they are the they're other the end other end of the spectrum, yeah. hyper-emotional,
0: yeah, no, I think that's we an absolute must. We tortured each mess. other,
1: but we taught each other so much.
0: Yeah, I think that's and they an absolute
1: must. Definitely helped me.
0: That's beautiful.
1: <laughs> you know, okay, so
0: we're running out of time, and I want to get to your um, your song is well. Your other songs are beautiful too, but the one that we just played when I was in the break, um, very beautiful. What's the name of your song?
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. And would you be willing to maybe give a few of those away if somebody wants to email me for them?
1: Absolutely. How many? Let's say five.
0: Okay, so we could give like five downloaded MP3s. Would that be good with you?
1: Yeah, and what I would do is add a second one, which is a song that's not available on any record of mine at this point. It's actually available on a Uh, a compilation called um, Trying to Get Through to You, which is a a song produced by Beyonce's producer that uh, wrote uh, for, well, it's about my experience with autism, so it might appeal to your listeners.
0: Oh, that's that's a beautiful idea. I love that idea. Okay, so... Tell me, how do people get a hold of you if they want to check out your music? Give us a website. Give us some kind of contact information.
1: Well, the best way is thetempleofsound.com. The temple of sound. That's what I I created to kind of protect myself in a way when I was younger. This, this oh, I love space, it. Of sound to kind of hold out a harsh world, <laughs> and it became my business. So you'll oh, find instrumental that. music that sort of is very soft and gentle along with the sort of more uh, the songs
0: oh i love that you know i i, I want to i have to say goodbye because we've already eaten up so much time and i could actually talk about this forever but um i really want to thank you because i am not asking you the kinds of questions you would normally be asked and um, you know, we're just kind of going places that uh, a lot of people are uncomfortable with. So I really want to thank you for being open to doing a little romance with us about autism and romance.
1: Well, that's the nice thing about being autistic. You don't care. It's just a practical question. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> All right. It doesn't matter what you ask. It's just, okay, yes, question, I answer it. And
0: on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much. This is Michael Moon um, of the Temple of Sound, international recording artist and super nice guy who was willing to let me tease and talk. Okay, okay, okay. It's the Great Guest Giveaway with Louis Rosenbaum is a friend of mine, somebody who is not only going to tell us about a great product, and you know I never say that, but I'm very excited about this product, but he's also a friend of mine I've known for quite some time. Um, I haven't talked to him in ages though, so I'm really excited to discover that something he told me about ages ago has come to fruition and could potentially keep your children safe down the line just a little bit and might keep your Parent Safe Now. So let's get into it. Let's talk to Louis Rosenbaum. Hi, Louis. Hi, Lynette. Hi. Thank you for coming.
2: Or actually, thank you for calling in. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Okay. So tell everybody what we're talking about.
2: Well, I'm involved. I helped found the company nine and a half years ago called GTX Corp. And we invented and make shoes that have GPS tracking chips in them.
0: Okay, so you've got a phone ringing in the background. That just, that just He actually, it's a prop. He's doing that so that it sounds like he's a really busy man. No, <laughs> 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 what I really like about this idea is I don't know if you know this about the autism world or not because I know that wasn't your original clientele that you were putting this together for, but... Autistic children, they often have um, a thing called running. You know, they'll, they'll take off. They just take off. They run in a straight line, and they don't think to turn around. My one son used to do that. He'd run in a straight line, and the only thing that would stop him would be like a wall or a fence or hopefully, God forbid, not a pool. Um, I've jumped into many to save him. So, you know, kids that are runners like that are a real issue, much like the Alzheimer's people that wander. Um, and what they do to solve this, Lewis is they they put uh, bracelets or anklets on the kids in order to you know kind of track them or know where they are, and unfortunately, it's an awful lot like a house arrest kind of anklet, and they're they're cumbersome and ugly, and lots of the kids hate them and go you know get very stressed by it. So I love the concept of your product. So go ahead and tell us how it works, what are the great things about it. Did I lose you? OK, just in case I'm not able to get Lewis again, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Um, for example, this shoe, it's a DPS shoe, and they market them for about $299 a pair. Um, the monthly monitoring service, so it's monitored, sort of like, boy, I hope I say this right. He can just call back if not. But um, I believe that's exciting. Are you back, Lewis?
2: I'm back. I don't know. I what just hap- did the
0: whole thing for you. I'm sitting here reading the fact sheet going, Okay, just in case we don't get him again. <laughs> so, you know, I, I heard, was thinking,
2: I heard you the whole time. I don't know what happened.
0: Oh, that's funny. How'd I do?
2: You did great. You're hired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I was thinking about it actually while you were gone and I said it out loud. It is if it's an adult shoe, we have a lot of problems with the adult autistics who are lower functioning and who are still running um, and there really isn't a solution. So This is actually pretty exciting. So right now you're making an adult male and female shoe, correct?
2: An adult male and female shoe. The starting size is seven. And we actually have a feature which would be an extra benefit, which we call the geo-fence, and that gives you the ability to set a perimeter. You go online after you register the shoe and on your computer you set whatever perimeter you want your child, or in our case right now, the adult to stay within. And as soon as you break that perimeter, you get an alert either as a text message or an email. So you know within seconds, literally, that the person wearing the shoes has left the designated area.
0: Of course, you know, my mind's going to... Um, I sure hope you don't have a controlling romantic partner. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, anybody, if you get shoes for Valentine's Day, you must check and make sure they're not from this company. <laughs> but seriously, what made you um, take this project on? Why did you spend so many years trying to make it happen?
2: Well, we had... The the original idea was an anti-kidnapping device. Um, The gentleman, Patrick Britannia, who's our CEO and chairman of the board, was watching the Elizabeth Smart situation, and he began thinking, what could we do to protect children? And he thought, what what about if you had a device that would track them? And uh, what he concluded was the most obscure place would be shoes. Um, other things could be taken off you could put something in a backpack but if you saw a kid walking around with an adult without shoes on it would draw everybody's attention and uh, when he approached me about being involved with the project I liked it for two reasons Uh, it was going to really do uh, good for kids and now adults and um, you know, frankly, it would be profitable. It would be a, a good business to be in. I could sleep well at night. We didn't think it was going to take this long. Nine and a half years is a long time. Um, part of the resistance when we started was many people didn't know what GPS was. We had to tell them about GPS. And people had questions about why they would want to know where anybody was. Now you, GPS is ubiquitous, and we track a whole number of things. So we were a little ahead of the curve, but we're finally here, and um, it's been greeted with great enthusiasm. And we're excited about the future.
0: Oh, I'm excited too. I think it's it's awesome. There are so many different uh, disabilities where this is going to be a huge, a huge safety net. And it's not embarrassing to wear. It's just your shoes. Now, are they
2: nice shoes? Um, they are very nice shoes they are black with two velcro straps the electronics are not bulky or anything all the electronics are in the heel they're hidden except for a little extra thickness on the back of the right shoe where the battery is and there's a little uh, little flap that pops up so you can plug in um, the charger to recharge the battery the battery lasts approximately two days, almost 50 hours, and that depends on how often you ping the person wearing the shoes. Obviously, with more use, you're going to have a shorter battery life.
0: Right. So so let's consider, you know, who are you going to market this for? This is for people with Alzheimer's. Um, Certainly autistic adults would benefit greatly. Um, Have you thought of other groups of people that would benefit from this?
2: Um, we've spoken to many different sectors, firemen going into buildings, cross-country skiers. Uh, the military, is, we've had conversations with the military, both in the, uh, of the United States and a number of foreign governments are interested. Right now, we're talking in, I believe, eight countries are expressing interest. Um, There's a lot of possibilities. We even thought of of the possibility of putting it in a life jacket because when you fall overboard, a life jacket just has you float. It doesn't tell the people on board where you are.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. And hikers or anybody that gets, you know, right now you're afraid to move away from the group. At least it would give you a little bit of uh, room to roam. It's nice.
2: Yeah, this, this both provides some freedom for the wearer of the shoes and peace of mind for the person who's taking care of them, the caregiver or somebody you're in relationship with. Um, you know, even for parents, soccer moms, you're working, you want to make sure your kid went from school to soccer practice. While you're at your desk, you log on. You can see just where. Oh
0: is. boy, is that a <laughs> is that ever a great big huge Pandora's box I don't want to open. I can just imagine all the parents just be sitting at their computer. He better go. He better go. <laughs> That's adorable. Yes, I suppose it can be used that way
2: too. Well, you know that was one of the original purposes. We were we didn't want to sell fear. Um, around the children being kidnapped you know it's always a challenge to sell a product that's going to keep them safe but you don't want to highlight the fear or the bad things that could happen so we began thinking about just everyday uses and you know i think there's you know thank god you know most children aren't involved in kidnappings and so the everyday use would be for working moms or dads it doesn't have to be gender specific but any parent that wanted to make sure the kids got where they were supposed to go after school. That's really awesome, actually.
0: So are the shoes available already?
2: Uh, we have the adult shoes down to size 7, as I mentioned, are available through our shoe partner, which is a company called Atrex. They're based in New Jersey. Anybody can go to their website and see the shoes and order them. The website is www. Atrex.com, and Atrex is spelled A-E-T-R-E-X.
0: And I'll also put a link on the website for
2: anybody that
0: hasn't uh, got a pen at the moment to write that down. Um, so what what's your personal favorite feature of the shoe?
2: I think what I love the most about this is the geofence because um, um, you don't have to think about, you know, Um, whether I should check in and see where the person is. If you set up your safety area and you can just forget about it after that, you know that the person's in there because if they're not, then you're going to get the alert. And multiple people can get alerts um, if you have a relationship with your police department, school, um, a caregiver, a babysitter it can be a whole network of people that receive the alerts. So um, it provides that if a mom, again, using the soccer mom, if she can't get to a child, somebody else could be alerted to go find them. Well, that's really awesome.
0: That's cool, although I, I have to admit, Louis, I'm having, like, images of, the, you know, all the teenagers going, okay, here's where my fence line is. Where's yours? Okay. <laughs> we'll meet at the fence line, and we'll switch shoes, <laughs> and they'll be, like, shoes at every invisible line all along. No, I'm just teasing. Um, well, I see I a great we, value here.
2: I think, as we all know, being parents of teenagers present their own challenges, um, we had envisioned uh, children, not much over twelve, wearing the shoes anymore. I think you're going to have a great challenge to get your teenagers to wear anything you want them to wear. So, we never really looked into the teenage market. It was for smaller children,
0: smaller children, and then older adults, and then people with, you know, people who are having challenges,
2: physical, mental
0: challenges, coping, and and can't keep track of where they're at. Even a very serious case of ADD, you know, can be. Um, really difficult, or Erlen Syndrome, it can be really difficult for the kids to keep their uh, sense of direction, and they easily get lost, and how comforting to know that someone can always find you. In fact, it makes me think of my grandson, and he's, you know, he's a typical teenager, and he wouldn't, at this point, he doesn't really get lost so much, because we've done some therapies on him, but, you know, a couple years ago, you put him in a new environment, he's a typical guy, but he easily get lost and then of course he
2: feels panicked and this would have actually solved it nicely. Well the peace of mind this provides is real and quantifiable and that's probably the second thing I like about it. It's it's something that you can really see and will really work and you'll know where the person you care about is instantaneously
0: okay well that's a great way to end it i want you know you are on the okay 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 great guest giveaway which means <laughs> i need you to offer something for free so what are you going to offer
2: well what we would offer is uh if somebody is interested in buying a pair of shoes we will offer a year's free service
0: wow that's awesome and how would they do that would they send you an email or do you want them to contact me and i'll take the first person and pass them along, what would be the best way to Yeah, go have
2: ahead? them contact you, please, and I will work out the details with our partners. Right now, our partners, as I mentioned, is Atrax, which is a shoe company.
0: All right, well, that's awesome. And if I have anything to do with it, we're going to get the adult autistics uh, involved here. Maybe you'll get a call from one of the societies for that, too. I'll try and put out some emails. All right, I think this is a great product. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me, and uh, it was great talking to you.
0: You too, Louis. And that was Louis. Now, he has the coolest product, the one that will keep your loved ones safe and your stalkers on the map. And also, we're back to stalkers, aren't we? See how I worked that back in? Okay, because it would be good if your stalkers were wearing those shoes, so you'd always know where they were and you could get out of the way. But... um, So the reason I'm doing this whole stalker thing isn't just because I'm trying to confess that silly thing I told you about. It's because I'm trying to set, set up stories from the road. Seriously. OK, so this story is um, the story with, of a little boy that I worked with in the Middle East. And um, I shouldn't say little. He's 13. And he's you know got raging hormones. So we'll, so we're there and we're we're talking and his mom leaves the room and he gives me this like sly little look. As soon as his mom leaves, and he starts kissing me. Now, fortunately, I know how to deal with, you know, different aspects of autism and I just pointed out that I had wrinkles on my face and you know, got a magnifying glass and showed him my wrinkles and said, you know, you really don't want to be kissing somebody with wrinkles and his sensory integration disorder takes over and uh, suddenly all he can see is wrinkles and I'm fine. But he was very assertive and the reason that I bring this up is because the only reason he behaves the way he did was that he didn't know. He didn't know how to reach across and connect with me and say, hey, I feel emotionally connected to you. How do I do that? How do I connect to someone? I guess I've seen in movies and stuff that you kiss, so I'll kiss you. And this is something I want you to think about. I want you to realize that your child or teenager or adult with autism doesn't instinctively or naturally make sense of the movies they see. They see this and they see it literally. They see, I like her, I kiss her, I like, you know, I touch, I grope, I whatever they see in the movie, they think they have to act on it or completely move away from it. But the subtleties, the subtleties of relationship, get lost. And you can either find this all overwhelming and too hard to teach and leave your, your loved one in the soup of confusion and hope they don't do anything negative that ends up putting them into, a, you know, the hands of the police, or you can decide to teach every step of this. And my favorite way is with movies. The same thing that's causing the problem you can use for the solution. I just sit and pause it and say, okay, why did he get to kiss her there? And, you know, we watch a little more. Why could he not kiss her in this spot? And I just break it down. I watch the movie, I pause it, we discuss it. I watch the movie, I pause it, we discuss it. till eventually they get what it is to be given a green light or a red light. So my friend um, that was totally turned off by my wrinkles is now a little more informed. <laughs> and he says, my mom left the room, can I give you a kiss? And I go, remember, I'm, I'm too old. I'm too old for you. But we can be friends. And then we look at pictures of girls from this class, and I say, well, well, if you want to talk to her, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes.
1: And that's how you got to
0: do it, okay? You get out there, and you tell your child every step of the way how this is done. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Have a little romance. And remember, I am so glad you're here, because if you weren't here listening to me, I'd just be talking to myself. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and this is A New Spin on Autism. Spinning Answer. spinning in circles and
1: talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself I can't hear